Welcome to First Baptist Pasadena, and we hope you had a very Merry Christmas. We are glad you are here to worship with us today. The children's ministry has a brand new program for preschoolers through fifth grade beginning Wednesday, January 20th, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Kids will be participating in worship and different tracks that will help equip them to build lives around sound truth. Preschoolers will rotate to different tracks every week, while elementary kids will need to register for the track of their choice at fbp.org forward slash elementary. It is going to be a blast. Registration for Spring T-Ball begins January 4th for K-4 and K-5 boys and girls. Practices start the week of February 22nd. Games begin Saturday, March 27th for seven weeks. The cost is $80, which includes an MLB jersey, cap, and certified umpires. Register online at fbp.org forward slash sports outreach. Let's play ball. Connection groups are in full swing at 8.15, 9.15, and 10.45 a.m., and we hope you have found your place in a class on Sunday mornings. If you are still looking for a connection group, you can go to fbp.org forward slash connection group or stop by one of the welcome centers in the commons. We do hope you will find a group and get connected today. In everything we do, we want to keep the safety of our members and guests at the forefront. Future activities, such as these you heard about this morning, are being planned and we pray that COVID-19 will soon come to an end. Until that time, we appreciate your understanding as we navigate each event separately, making the best decision possible with the information we have. You can check out the online bulletin at fbp.org forward slash bulletin or the church webpage for up-to-date info on all that is taking place at FBP. We are excited you are here this morning as we worship together. Have a safe and happy new year. Good morning. Let's stand to our feet. Christmas is over, but that's all right. Let's send it off with one more Christmas song. Amen.
singing away and worshiping the Lord and forgot I'm supposed to do something. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, listen, this is good. I hope you've had a great Christmas and we're looking forward to our worship service today. If you're one of our guests, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, we want to say to you, uh, what's happening here, y'all? Some of them sitting down. Oh, you set them down. All right. I didn't know. All right. Well, I didn't want people not to know what to do. I think everybody in the room knew what to do but me. Okay. Well, be that as it may, if you're one of our guests in the room or online, we want to have a record. We want to know you're worshiping with us. It blesses us. A little address on the screen, fbp.org slash connect. If you'll... Just If you're in the room right now, you can do it right now on your phone or home. You can do likewise or jot that address down and do it later. But if you'll communicate with us, we'll communicate back with you. And uh, if you have a special prayer need, uh, let us know about that, and we will surely respond. Now, one word of encouragement. As you leave the service today, out in the commons, there are five different Bible reading plans. And... My conviction and my experience is when I have a Bible reading plan, I do better than if I don't have a Bible reading plan. And I believe that will be a true thing for everybody. So I would encourage you, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, uh, January 1st is coming this week. It would be a great time to say, you know what, I'm going to find something that will help me, keep me on track to read my Bible every single day. Some of these would require more time. Some require a lot less time. The important thing is just each day read some of God's Word, and I hope you will participate in that. You'll be blessed doing so. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving online, your faithfulness in giving in the little giving center boxes we have, dropping off at the church. Uh, it's just it's going to be interesting to see, but like we... We go into today actually $4,000 ahead of our budget. A few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, we are behind the budget, 400 and something thousand. And our people have just been giving, catching up. We well may meet or exceed our budget. If not, we're going to be right at it. And I just think it gives God glory. It's quite a testimony. And let's just thank Him for that. Let me have a prayer. Father God, I thank You so much for Your goodness to us. I just thank You for the... But what I feel in this room right now, God, there's a spirit here that has come to worship you. Bless us now as we worship. Thank you for the people. Thank you for their faithfulness, God, above everything. Thank you for your church. And thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Church family, you may be seated. I can think of no better way than to end our year with singing praise to our Heavenly Father. This year has been rough. Amen. 2020, no one would have thought December 31st of this last year that we would have thought, hey, we're going to be wearing a mask this time regularly every single day. No one would have thought that. This season brought hardship for a lot of people. It brought hurt and loneliness and sorrow for so many others. There's a song that's sung at the end of the year. This next song is going to be very, very familiar. The tune will be. The lyrics are, are a little bit different, but it's a called, it's called Old Lang Syne, and it's a song that you sing at the end of the year. Everyone gets together and sings and just to say goodbye to last year, and we're ready to say goodbye to last year, and just looking forward to, to what's to come. And I think that for us this year, we're all gonna be obviously ready for 2020 to be in the rearview mirror. But I would hate for us to miss out on what God had done in 2020, simply because our circumstances were pressed down. God moved in a mighty, mighty way. Church family, we got to see friends who are watching online. We got to see in just a few months, over a hundred people saved through the ministry of our church on Sundays, amen? That is amazing, and my little girl was one of them. And so I will always remember 2020 as the year that my little girl's salvation was set. That's a joy. God has moved in many, many ways. I'd hate for us to miss it. And oftentimes, we, when, when our world is shook, what we do is we hang tighter to the things that we can control. That's what we do. We, we close our fists and we draw in. But I wanna encourage you as we're stepping into 2021. Who knows what 2021 is going to bring, right? I would encourage you to open your hands up. This is a posture of surrender. It's a posture of offering. This is a posture of holding tight, right? It, this is scary. This right here can be scary because things can slip through your fingers and things can fall, but you can hold so much more in open hands than you can close fists. So I wanna encourage you and those watching, I wanna encourage you this year as we step into 2021, let God have all the glory, all of ourselves, everything that we have. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive unless the Lord does raise the house in vain its builders strive to you who boast tomorrow's gain tell me what is your
Thank you for Jesus, the babe born in a manger, God. 
And as we look past and rejoice in that, there is still the king to come. I thank you that we can look forward to when you do make all things new, when you renew that which was broken. God, and I thank you for what you have done, and we look forward to what you're going to do with great expectation, God, because you do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think, imagine, or dream. So thank you for this moment of worship and song. May we continue to worship in the studying of your word. Good morning, everybody, and let me say uh, Merry Christmas two days after the fact. I hope that you had a great Christmas, and I'm just thankful that you're here today. You know, we didn't know what to expect. Uh, we're less than 48 hours out of Christmas, and, you know, this is a great group today. We're in a pandemic. It's a holiday weekend. I want you to know last Sunday morning in this service, we had our biggest crowd ever. In fact, they called me after the service to tell me what the count was. And the actual count was 666. And they said, John, we know you don't like that number because it's not a holy number, 666. So I said, let's just say 667. And so I'm just so thankful for this contemporary service. I'm thankful for Chris and all these up here with him leading us in worship. And it just seemed like it's getting better every single week. And so thank you for being here today. For those joining us at home, I want to just thank you for worshiping with us, and I want you to know that even though you're not in this room right now, hopefully you will be soon, and when the pandemic is over, we can just see this room completely full of people worshiping the Lord, but you know, I just was over there during the, during the worship time this morning, I just sensed the presence of the Lord here. And whether it's a pandemic or 667 or 602 or 400, or who cares? You know, if the Lord is here, that's really all that matters. And I just want to thank Him today for being here. Thank you for being here today. And I just pray that what we're going to be studying this morning will be a blessing in your life. So if you'll open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, we're continuing our study on heaven. We have come to the end of the book of Revelation and for the last several weeks, we have been studying what the Apostle John has written about heaven. We'll be studying this for the next two weeks after today. But today, we're thinking again about what will we do when we get to heaven. Now, we've already seen, and we already knew this before we got into the series, that heaven is a beautiful place. It's more beautiful than any place that we could imagine, certainly prettier than any place we've seen on earth. And we have seen that there are 12 gates that will provide entrance into the celestial city. There's a wall in heaven, and on each side of that wall, there are three gates. And so one of these days, uh, either upon our death or at the rapture of the church, we're going to walk through one of those gates, and we're going to be greeted by an angel, and there we will be in heaven with God forever. Now, as we saw last week, one of the greatest things, in fact, to me, it will be the greatest thing that we experience in heaven is that we will see Jesus face to face. And I said this last week, and I want to just say it again today. I said it several times last week. There is a day, a time set 
in your future, if you've ever been saved, when you will stand face to face before the person of Jesus Christ. And your eyes will see His, and His eyes will lock on you. And in that moment, we're going to see the one face to face that we have known heart to heart for our time on earth. So we're going to see Jesus. We also saw last week that in heaven, His name will be written across our foreheads. So all through eternity, You'll look at me, and I'll look at you, and we'll have the name Jesus written across our foreheads. That is his way of saying to us, he belongs to me. She belongs to me. All of those here belong to me. Now, this week, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to be thinking today not so much about what we're going to do in heaven, although we'll see a little bit of that, but I want us to focus today on what we're going to discover when we first get to heaven. Now, keep in mind, when you get to heaven, you're going to have perfect knowledge. The Bible says that now we know in part, but then we shall know as we are known. We will know everything perfectly. We're going to know a whole lot more then than we know now. And so beginning in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 22, I want us to see first the first thing that we'll discover in heaven when we see the throne of God is that we will discover that God was and that God is the source of all of our blessings. Revelation 22, look in verse 1. Now remember, John, the apostle, is having a guided tour of heaven. An angel is guiding him around, showing him the sights. And he says this, John said, And he, the angel, showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And so when we get to heaven, we're going to see God seated upon His throne, and from underneath that throne, we're going to see a river that is flowing. Now, keep in mind, we'll already have perfect knowledge, so we'll understand that God is the source of that river. But if we were to see that throne today from earth not having perfect knowledge, we might think, well, maybe behind that throne, there's a waterfall. Maybe behind that throne, there's, a, there's another river. We'd be wondering, what is the source of this river? But this river coming out from the throne of God is unlike any other river on earth today. The rivers of the earth today are dependent upon rain. You can't have a river without having rain. You can't have a river with no headwaters. You can't have a river on earth without the hydrological cycle that clouds are formed, vapors go up from the bodies of the water today. Uh, clouds are formed. Those clouds produce rain. The vapors go up. The clouds produce rain. The rain comes down, and the rain runs into the river. But in this case, there is no hydrological cycle in heaven. There's no rain in heaven, and there's no waterfall behind the throne of God. God Himself is the source of this river. In Psalm 46, which is a familiar psalm to many of us, that's the psalm that starts out saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And the psalm ends by saying, God said, be still and know that I am God. But in the middle of that psalm, Psalm 46 in verse 4, it says, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. I believe the river being referred to in Psalm 46 is the river of heaven, and it's the river that comes out of the throne of God. Now, I want you to look at the screen, and I want you to see this statement, because I think it's so very important as we think about God being the source of all of our blessings. Let's see this. God is the source of our blessings. People 
are the channels. Now, I want you to let that sink in. God is the source of our blessings. People are the channels. So many times in life, we start thinking that people are the source of our blessings. Maybe you have a very wonderful family, as I do, and you've been blessed with that. And it's easy for us to think, my family is the source of my blessings. It is through my family that, that I feel love. It is through my family that I feel acceptance when we're young. It is from our parents that we have food to eat and clothes to wear and a house to live in. And so it's easy to think, well, my family is the source of my blessings. Or maybe you're married today and you think, my spouse is the source of my blessings. Through my spouse, I, I have companionship. Through my spouse, I have a best friend, or through my spouse, I have someone who's with me and thick and thin, and, and that's a tremendous blessing, but it's not, if we're not careful, we can get to thinking that our spouse is the source of our blessings. But what if you lose your spouse? What if you lose your parents? What if you lose your job? You know, it'd be easy for somebody in this pandemic, say they've worked at Exxon for 25 years, and so it'd be easy for them to think, man, I've worked out here for all these years, and Exxon has been writing my checks, and it's through these checks that I'm able to buy food for my families, pay the mortgage for the house, insurance for the car, and be easy to think, man, Exxon is the source of my blessings. But friend, let me ask you this. What about all those people who just lost their job at Exxon? Have they lost the source of their blessing? No. What they've lost is the channel of that blessing, but God is still the source. And so I encourage you today, don't, hey, be thankful for your family, be thankful for your spouse, be thankful for your job, but don't ever get to thinking that that is the source of your blessing. God is the source. The waters run out from underneath the throne. As we go through life, channels change but the source of our blessings never changes. God is the source. My dad was mentioning earlier that during this pandemic, uh, when so many people, probably 60% of our members are not even coming to church yet, and you're, you're thinking about the budget and all that goes with that, and yet, looks like by the end of the year, we're either going to meet it, almost meet it, or even go over it. And how do you explain that? Well, the faithfulness of the people, certainly. But think about this. The people wouldn't have anything to give had God not given to us. We give to God because He has given to us. And so God is the source. And, and I could do a whole sermon on this. In fact, in the first service, I almost just never got off the first point. And I've got to get off of it today. But I just want to drive this point home today. Channels change. The source never change. Don't put your faith in a job, a family, a spouse, a friend, another person. Put your faith in God. He is the source of your blessing. I got a phone call earlier in the week. I got a text message actually from a lady in our church. And she said, John, could you call me sometime this week? I'd like to talk to you. And so I did. And she said, I just want to tell you a story. She said, earlier this year, my husband and I, we didn't lose our jobs, but we took a pay cut. Both of us took a pay cut. And she said, it's been a little bit of a tough year. And she said, but we were thankful to keep our jobs. She said, as we got closer to harvest day, we began talking about, well, what should we, you know, what should we do on harvest day? This is the time when we're all supposed to give a thank offering to the Lord for his faithfulness. And one of the spouses said to the other, said, well, you know, we want to give something. We want to be generous. We are thankful to God. We still have our jobs, and, and, but we don't know how much to give. And, and then one of the spouses said, you know, I think this year, we should give more to God than we gave last year. Even though our pay has been cut, I think we should give more. And I think the other spouse responded by saying, I think you've lost your mind. 
Because how can we give more when we're receiving less? And yet they talked about it and they prayed about it and they both in, were in agreement that God had put that on their heart. And so they gave, they gave more this year even though they had less money coming in. She said, you know, John, after we wrote that check, or she, she said we actually gave online, and she said after we did that, we felt peaceful in our hearts. We knew we had done what God had told us to do, but, but we did know that it put us maybe in just a touch of a bind. But she said, John, something just happened like a day or two ago that I just had to tell you. She said, we went to the mailbox, and we got a check in the mail from the most, you talk about an out-of-the-blue place to get a check from. She said, we got a check in the mail that we had no idea was coming our way. We had no idea that this place even existed. or that. We, she said, we never would have even dreamed that this was a possibility. And she said, the check that we received was for exactly five times the amount of money that we gave to the church on Harvest Day. And when she was saying that, I was thinking about this part of the sermon where God is the source. And I, just want to, I want to just drive that home again today. Your job is not the source. Thank God. for We all thank God for our jobs. Your family's not. And then we thank God. But God is the source. Let him work through different channels. But don't put your faith in the channels. The channels will dry up. Keep your faith in the source because that river never does run dry. Amen? And we're going to discover that when we get to heaven. I'll tell you a second thing we're going to discover when we get to heaven. We already know it, but we're going to discover it in a deeper way. And that is we're going to discover that physical death is a blessing. Physical death is a blessing. Now, as we're living our lives, we don't think about death being a blessing. We think about death being something to be avoided. And we, and we do try to do everything we can to be safe and, and to live uh, as long as we can. But the fact is, physical death is a blessing. Look in verse number 2. In the middle of its street, that is the main street of heaven, and on either side of the river, that is the river coming out from underneath the throne of God, was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, when we read the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, we might be prone to think, well, what are we being healed of? I mean, in heaven, there is no sickness. There are no diseases. Why would we need to be healed in heaven? Well, the word that is translated in my Bible today as healing can also be translated caring for. The leaves, the fruit coming out of this tree of life are for the caring for of the nations. We get our word therapeutic from the Greek word that is used here. And what the Bible is saying is there's a, there's a big tree in heaven, and it's known as the tree of life. And each month when we get to heaven, we'll see that that tree produces a different type of fruit. And we'll eat that fruit, a different type of fruit every month. It says there's variety in heaven. Heaven is not just a boring place where everything's always the same. No, there's variety. And the fruit that we eat from the tree of life will be good for us. And it will, it will be like therapy for us. It won't heal us in the sense that we were sick and we ate it. But it will be something that God will give us to bless us and to, uh, to nourish us and to be a blessing to us in an amazing way. Now, look again at in, in this second verse, because I find this very interesting. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. Now, when you hear that expression, the tree of life, your mind probably goes back to the first book in the Bible. In fact, let's turn back to Genesis right now. Genesis chapter number 2. I want us to see where we first encounter the tree of life. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 9. 
And God has placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It is a perfect environment, and there they are. There's no sin that's happened whatsoever. And the Bible says, out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree that God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat fruit from this tree, because the day that you eat from this tree, you will die. But this other tree, the tree of life, was also in the Garden of Eden. So we know that Satan came along. He tempted Adam and Eve. They ate from the forbidden tree. They ate the fruit. When they did that, sin entered the world. When sin comes into the world, death comes into the world. But before death, there's physical decay. There's sickness. There's disease. Death doesn't happen physically just like that. It is a process, and that was the case with them. But you still had in the Garden of Eden the tree of life. Now, look in chapter 3 now and in verse 22, because I want you to notice what God did after Adam and Eve had sinned. It says, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim, that is a special type of angel, at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so if you just read that casually, you think, well, Adam and Eve sinned, and after they sinned, God punished them, and He did. God judged them, and He did, and He kicked them out of the Garden of Eden, and that's true. And we might just be prone to think, well, you know, they sinned, and and that was what they got because of their sin. But did you know that when God put Adam and Eve out of the Garden, And when God made it impossible for them to eat from the tree of life, that God was actually doing them a favor. Think about this. Had Adam and Eve eaten that fruit from the tree of life, that would have meant they would have lived forever in a fallen, sinful state, not only separated from God, but living inside of a body that never would have died. Look again in verse 22 at the end of the verse. It says, and God said, and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. If you eat fruit from the tree of life, you don't die. It, is, it, it has an eternal quality to it. And so God's looking down and God said, if Adam and Eve eat this fruit, they will live forever in a body that won't die. Their body will age. Their body will get sick. Their body will begin the process of decay, and yet their body will not die. And so the death of Adam and Eve uh, was a blessing just like death is a blessing to us, which leads me to say this. There's something worse than having a debilitating illness. There's something worse than Alzheimer's. There's something worse than dementia. There's something worse than MS and Parkinson's and ALS. There's something worse than cancer that cannot be cured with chemotherapy or with surgery or radiation. There's something worse than all of that, and that is this. It would be to live forever in a condition like that. 
I mean, Alzheimer's is an awful disease, but how, how much worse would it be if a person lived for millions and even billions of years with Alzheimer's or one of these other diseases? And so when we get to heaven and see that tree of life in heaven, see, we'll have perfect knowledge, and we're going to say to ourselves, how good is God? He didn't let our ancestors eat this fruit uh, in the garden because if so, they would have lived forever. We eventually would have been born. We would have lived forever. We would have been in bodies that would get sick, that would be in pain, and yet the bodies would never die. This is why many times we come to a a funeral service here at the church for somebody in our congregation who has died of one of these diseases or some other disease, and they've had a long battle, and they've suffered, and they've hurt, and they've agonized, and they finally died, and we're able to say to the family, listen, I know this is hard. And I know this is sad, and I know this hurts, but look at the death of your loved one from God's perspective. Look at their death from their perspective now in heaven. Think about this. They're in heaven in a new body that will never get sick, that will never know pain, that will never have decay. The, there is no cancer. There is no Alzheimer's. There is no dementia. They have a clear mind, a healthy body, and they're happier and healthier than they've ever been in all their life. And yet, had Adam and Eve eaten that fruit from that tree of life? Think about this. They would still be living today. How long ago was the Garden of Eden? 5,000 years ago? Somewhere between 5 and 6,000 years. If you add up all the genealogies, God created man. You know, sometimes somebody will say, well, the earth is billions of years old. Well, not according to the Bible. The earth is about 5 or 6,000 years old. But had Adam and Eve eaten that fruit, think about this. They would be five or 6,000 years old. Now, folks, I want to live a long life, but I don't want to live to be that old. I don't want to live to be 200 years old. I mean, I want to live a long, full life, but I don't want to live too long because at some point, death is a blessing. Our spirit is released from our bodies, and we go get a new body, and we're in heaven with God. And I say that today because many of you, many of us, we've all lost people who've gone to heaven. And I want you to understand today they are better than they were, than they would be if they were still on earth. And as we think about our own mortality, there's coming a day when we will die. And we look at that as an experience to be avoided or put off. And that's understandable. But from God's perspective, it's actually something to be embraced and something we should look forward to because upon our physical death, we will go immediately into the presence of God in heaven. And what I'm saying to you today is when we first walk through one of those gates and we see the throne of God and that river coming out from underneath it, we're going to say, you know what? My whole time on earth, God was the source of all my blessings. There were different channels, but God was the unchanging source. And we're going to say this, you know, that death experience that I had back on earth that I dreaded for all those years and put off and I was afraid about it. What would it be like now from my new perspective in heaven? I can look back on my physical death and say that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it was through death that I was liberated from that body and that I was able to come to be with God in heaven and get a new body and a new mind and I'll be with him forever. But there's something else we're going to discover in heaven. Not only those things, but when we get to heaven, we're going to discover that the curse has been reversed. Now, I think you're still in Genesis, and if so, look in chapter number 3, because after Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the earth. Look in chapter 3 and verse 17. Now, God is speaking to Adam. He's holding Adam accountable for what he's he's done. 
and God is pronouncing a, a punishment on Adam, and here's what he says. Then to Adam, God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat it. That is, you disobeyed, Adam. Watch the next word, word here. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And so one of the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin was that the earth was cursed. Up until this day, when Adam went out to work in the garden, there were no thorns, there were no thistles, there were no briars, there were no weeds. It was absolutely perfect. But because, and he didn't even sweat, he didn't strain, he didn't get tired. But after sin, it all changed. God, cur God cursed the earth. And when he cursed the earth, Adam's having all kinds of difficulty and uh, working in the garden. That's why, for example, the earth, before sin entered the Garden of Eden, there were no earthquakes. Because it, the earthquakes are the result of fault lines. But there were no fault lines before sin. That's all a result of the earth being cursed and, and the earth suffering under the weight of sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that the creation groans. Every time there's an earthquake, it's like the earth itself is groaning and the earth is saying something's not right. We're not, we're not holding ourselves together like we were supposed to. Sin has taken a toll even on the earth. Every time there's a hurricane, same thing. There were no hurricanes in the Garden of Eden. There were no tornadoes in the Garden of Eden. There were no hailstorms in the Garden of Eden. All of that came after sin entered the world. And so it's interesting that the world we live on today is cursed. Look back in verse 14. Notice what God said to the devil in the form of a serpent who had tempted Adam and Eve. It said, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And so God said to Satan, he said, you're going to be in the form of a serpent now like a snake. And here's your punishment. All of the days of your life, you're going to crawl around on your belly. But when we get to heaven, now go back in Revelation 22 and look in verse number 3. Notice this. This is amazing. It says, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And so in heaven, there is no curse. The earth is cursed, but the, heaven, the heavens are not cursed. Heaven itself is not cursed. The curse will be reversed when we get to heaven. Not only will uh, the, earth, the, the earth in heaven, as it were, be perfect, but will be perfect. Our bodies will be perfect. Look back in verse 21. We looked at this a few weeks ago when we started our study on heaven. Chapter 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. You see, when we get to heaven and we begin to, it dawns on us in our first moments in heaven, I've got a new body. This body doesn't ache. I'm not losing a thought in the middle of a sentence. You ever do that? You do that in the middle of a sentence? You can't, what was I saying? And then you lost your thought. But not in heaven. Our thinking will be clear. 
Our bodies will be strong. Our energy levels will be stronger than they have ever been. And the environment itself will say to us, the, the curse has been reversed. Now, look at this statement that I want to make. I want to make two statements, but the first one is this. For Christians, there's coming a day when the curse will be reversed. And so that means as we look forward to what God has in store for us in the future, it's, our future is getting better than it is right now. But watch this next statement. For those who have never been saved, for the unsaved, watch this, the curse will only get worse. You see, those of us who were saved, when we cross over to the other side and get where we're going, it's going to be better there than it is here. We'll have a new body, a new mind, a new environment, a new world to live in, and it will be perfect. And so we look for, even during hard times, we say, you know what, God, what I'm going through now is tough. What I'm going through now is painful. What I'm going through now is difficult and hard. But God, there's coming a day when I will cross over to the other side, either upon my death or at the rapture of the church, and it's going to be better up there than it is down here. We have something to look forward to. But think about this. Those who've never been saved, they have nothing to look forward to. When they cross over and get to where they're going, they're going to say, the curse has now gotten worse. Think about this. Here is God cursing Satan, and God is saying to Satan, from now on, you'll be in the form of a snake, and you're going to crawl on your belly for the rest of your existence. But by the time we get to Revelation chapter 22, do you know where Satan is? Do you remember from our study where he is? He has been cast into hell. He's in the lake of fire. And so for Satan, the curse will have gotten worse. Don't you think by this time Satan will say, well, you know what? That was bad when I had to crawl around on the earth and on my belly, but I would rather crawl around on the earth on my belly than be in hell. Think about people who've never been saved. When they die, the curse will get worse. And when they get where they're going, they're going to say, you know what? When I was on earth, I had pain. I had, I had cancer. I had diseases. I had problems. Work was hard. Money was hard. To, everything was hard. But now it's worse. I'm eternally separated from God in hell. And so when, I, when you think about and put all this together, for those of us who are saved, the only heartache the only sorrow and the only pain that we will ever know will be on this side of the grave because when we cross over, all of that is gone and God is making all things new. The curse will be reversed. But for those who've never been saved, just the opposite is true. The only fun, the only excitement, the only things enjoyable that they will ever experience will be on this side of the grave because when they cross over and get where they're going, no matter how bad it was on earth, it will only get worse when they step out into an eternity without God. For them, the curse will get worse. And so that makes me, as I prepared this sermon, as I thought about this sermon, it makes me ask examine my own heart, and it makes me today ask all of us here today, as you look into your future, I mean a thousand years from now, will you be able to say, because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ for me, the curse has been reversed, and everything is perfect, or a thousand years from today, will you say, because I rejected Jesus Christ? Because I never confessed my sins, because I never got saved, the curse has only gotten worse. And I'll tell you this, I would rather live on a cursed earth 
for a million years than to live for five minutes in hell separated from God. I would rather, if it's even possible to do this, I've never been in an earthquake. My parents have. They were in Athens, Greece years ago, and they were coming out of a bakery one morning, and when they were walking out the door, the earth started, the earth started shaking like this, and they didn't know what in the world was happening. And my dad said, John, it's the scariest experience I've ever had in my life. He said, we honestly thought that the earth beneath our feet was going to open up, consume us, and close back on top of us. And he said, we didn't know where to go. We felt like, you know, if we went into a building, it would be more dangerous because the building could collapse. But if we stayed where we were, that was very, he said, it was the scariest thing that we've ever experienced. The, the airport there in Athens, the runway buckled, flights couldn't land, they couldn't take off. They, it was a horrible experience that they were in. Well, let me say this. I would rather be in an earthquake like that for 24 hours, if it's even possible to keep your balance, if, if the earth quaked that long, then to end up in hell for five minutes. Because as bad as the earthquake is, that's not as bad as being separated from God for all eternity. And so what I'm saying today, and as we think about this passage of Scripture, what do we have? We have a river, we have a tree, and we have a perfect environment. And that river says to us, God is the source of all your blessings. Don't trust the channel, trust the source. And that tree says to us, physical death is a blessing in disguise because when you get to heaven, you're going to have a new body and you don't have to live on earth with that body that was wearing out on you. And not only that, the perfect environment says to us, for those who are saved, there's coming a day when the curse will be reversed and God will make all things new. Amen? Now, the only question today is, what's in your future? The curse being reversed or the curse getting worse? You know, it's interesting. As recently as yesterday, I was thinking about this service, and I thought, God, I'm in a series on heaven, and you've been blessing it, and people have been saved, and people are being encouraged, and I'm being blessed studying about it, much less talking about it, just studying about it, I'm being blessed. But I thought, God, when I stand up there to preach on Sunday... We're less than 48 hours away from Christmas. People are still thinking about Christmas. Their, their minds are on that. And I thought, God, should I just postpone this sermon on heaven and go out there tomorrow and, and just do a Christmas sermon? I can do that. And I just felt, as the day went on, I felt like God said to me, I have given you a sermon. He gave this to me Monday and Tuesday. I've given you a sermon on heaven. This is a sermon from heaven <laughs> about heaven. You stand up there tomorrow morning and you preach what's in the book, and you tell the people about heaven, and you explain that there's coming a day when, for those who are saved, it's going to get better. For those who are not saved, it's going to get worse. That's what I want you to preach. And so that's what I've just done. In the first service, preached the same sermon, gave the invitation, people got saved. And I'm wondering in this service, we're less than 48 hours out of Christmas Day. And you, I, I, I mean, I didn't think we would have this many people in church today. In fact, I know some churches who just canceled church today, not because of the pandemic, because they just didn't figure everybody would come, because it's two days after Christmas. Well, we just felt like if, if, if a, a few people come, if a lot of people come, if somewhere in the middle come, it's Sunday and we ought to be having church. And that's how we feel about that. But I believe by the providence of God that last Monday and Tuesday in my study at home, God gave me this sermon. 
And I believe by the providence of God, you're here today to listen to it. And I believe today that somebody or several somebodies in this service need on the last worship service of 2020 to make absolutely certain that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior and that heaven will one day be your home. Amen? So with our heads bowed and eyes closed, Father, I thank you for what I know is in my future. Not because of anything good I've ever done. Because God, all I've done on earth is really sin. And yet you have forgiven me of every sin and you have saved me because I have asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and I've trusted him. And I I just thank you that I know today that my future is fantastic because of Jesus. I thank you for that. And yet, God, I pray for those here today who can't say that quite yet because they have never made peace with you through trusting Jesus Christ, through the confession of their sins, and through simple childlike faith in Jesus. Now, I felt the Spirit of God when I walked in this room today. And all through the worship time, I have felt the Spirit of God. I feel it right now. With your head bowed and eyes closed, if you would say, John, I just don't know what my future looks like. I'm just not sure. I I think I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven, but I don't know that. But I would be foolish to walk out these doors today with this matter, matter unresolved or unsettled. I want to help you today to get it settled. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a very simple prayer that you can pray from your heart to the heart of God. You don't have to say it out loud. God God knows your heart. But if you want to know for sure that you're saved, would you just say, say these words or say similar words? It doesn't have to be just these words. God knows your heart. But say something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I need to be saved. I have sinned. I've messed up. And I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me right now for everything I've ever done wrong. And apply your blood to all my sins. Just wash them away, God. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And Lord, as I ask you to save me, I trust you to do it. That's the key to being saved right there. Not just asking, but trusting. God doesn't want us to, every time we come to church, ask to be saved. Because then if we were doing that all the time, we never would know whether we were saved or not. He wants us to ask and then trust Him. And then to move on in faith. I I believe people are being saved right now. Say this to Him again. Say, Lord, I have asked you to save me. And I trust you to do it. I trust you, Jesus. I don't look for a sign. I don't ask for some special feeling. I stand on your word that if I would trust you, you would save me. And I trust you, Jesus, with all of my heart. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, For those of you who just prayed that prayer, maybe you prayed that prayer before today, but you've never really taken your stand for Jesus. 
in a setting like this, in just a moment, we're going to ask you just to stand up. We're not asking anybody to come forward. We're not asking anybody to give a speech. We're not going to embarrass you. But as Chris said, we've seen over 100 people do this in just the last few months. And on this 11, at this 11 o'clock service, I believe somebody's going to stand today or maybe several. We're going to take about one minute now. And if you have prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. I'm looking. My father's looking. You'll be making your first confession of your faith to us. Just stand up right now. It's not easy. Okay. Yes, we have one in the, in the left. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. Two right there. Thank you both. Thank you both. Last service of 2020. Just made sure that you're saved. Who else would stand? Okay. Oh, someone, two others have stood in the upper centers. Thank you so much. And another one, that's to my right. That's five. Thank you. Ending the year saying, you know what? I want to, I want to be right. I want to be right with God. We're going to take just a few more seconds, maybe a half minute. There's one over here. Okay, thank you so much. God bless. That takes a lot of courage to do that. Those watching at home today, I received a text message from one of our members the other day, and she took a picture of her husband standing at home when the invitation was given as his way of confessing Christ. Well, if you're home right now, the only thing you can do is stand up where you are. And so at home, in your home today, if you have prayed that prayer, why don't you just stand? Even if you're by yourself, it may feel kind of weird. You just stand up. God sees it. God notices that. And maybe one day you can stand here. But for now, stand where you are. Just a few more seconds. Anybody else? I've counted six people in this room who have stood for Jesus today. Father, I thank you today that as we come to the end of 2020, God, we're seeing people be saved There are people saved right now that weren't saved when they had breakfast this morning. There are people, God, whose futures now are bright, who are going to a a perfect place because of their faith in Jesus. I ask you to give them peace in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, amen and amen. Let's thank the Lord. It is always good to see people saved. Man, that is awesome. And for those of you who stood today, I want to just thank you for standing. That took a lot of courage. And I'm going to ask you if you'll do us a favor after this service. It'll take about five, six, maybe seven or eight minutes. It won't take longer than that. When you walk out these doors or for those in the upper level, when you come down those stairs, go this way to to the right. And uh, there's a room there called the family room. And we have ministers there. And they're wearing masks so everybody will be safe. But they want to give you some information, some literature, some things you can read that will help you grow in your faith with God. They want to just meet you, put a name with a face. For those who've been watching at home, if you've made a decision today to be saved or if you want to join our church, go to that website, fbp.org connect. Tell us your name. And uh, give us a phone number. We want to call you. Others here today, maybe you say, John, I've already been saved, but I want to put my life in this church. Just go to the family room. People are there that will help you with that. And we've seen a lot of people do that in the last few weeks and in the last few months. And so also when you go to the family room, uh, we want to give you a Bible. We've ordered Bibles for all of our new members and for those making decisions. This is a New King James Version. It's a, it's a very readable print. It has good chapter headings and section divisions. I love this Bible. And so we want to give this to you today as our gift. And uh, hopefully that will be a blessing. Well, guys, are you glad you came to church today? It's been a great service. It's been a great, great way to end.
the year 2020. And I hope that you have a great New Year's week. Hope you have a great New Year's Eve. Hope you're safe. Maybe just stay home. Might be the best thing to do. Great New Year's Day. And then next Sunday morning, I hope you can be here. Some of you listening at home today, I hope you can be with us next Sunday morning, uh, January the 3rd. As we have our first worship service of 2021, I want, to be, I want to preach a sermon out of this same text about one day we're going to serve God in heaven, and we should certainly be serving God on earth. And I've already got it ready to go. In fact, you want me just to preach it to you right now? I got it ready to go. But uh, I've got it ready because I think it'll be a good way to start, start the new year. So thank you guys for being here. Let's go ahead and stand up. Chris is going to dismiss us and tell us how to get out of here safely. Just hope you have a great rest of the week. By the way, before we go, how many of you have already taken your Christmas decorations down? Anybody, anybody? I took mine down last night. I did it in less than seven minutes. Is that something? That tells you I didn't have very many. It's very simple. But anyway, hope you have a great afternoon. Let Chris dismiss us, and we'll hope to see you next Sunday morning. Amen. Thank you, church family. Hey, do me a favor. Please put your mask on. Give everyone about six feet on your way out, and we do pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful new year and New Year's Eve. Let's go ahead and close out our service just singing this together. Oh, glory be to Christ our King. Oh, glory be to Christ. He's a ruling reign will ever sing. Oh, glory be to Christ. Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive. Yeah.